To another episode of the Her Circus. I'm your host, Nicholas Ridiculous, aka Nick Ridic, aka the Purple Hyena, and what's the Habs Macaco? Oh, it's been one week. It's been a wild week. History doth repeateth. And, you know, does anything ever really change? (laughs) It's like, this feeling I'm having lately is like, you know when you feel yourself kind of grow up a little bit? Maybe something inside you has that, that paradigm shift, so to say. But you know, that paradigm shift inside yourself where you just, something changes. Like, I've had some recent family issues that have just, you know, kind of just spiraled my whole brain out of effect just spiraled my whole brain out of effect and it's like how long do you put yourself through it you know like I think I just got to a point where I'm like 30 years of this shit you know it's like I can't I can't do it because at one point do like it's like a parent can't get over their relationship with their parents so they ruin their relationship with you their child and then you're supposed to help them when it's like are you fucking stupid you know it's I'm just it's it's like it, it's it spins my mind out where I just like I can't understand how the correlations can't be seen between. Oh, and I just got an email that the roadmap report that I helped well I created and then got told what I created was you know shit. I just got an email from uh, the Wood Green people that their version of the roadmap report has launched. So that's that. Um, yeah, fucking a. Works a whole other thing, you know? But one stress at a time, baby boy. Baby boy. Mm-mm-mm. Yeah, it's, I don't know, you just, it drives me crazy where I'm just like surrounded by these people where I'm like, like at one point in my life I looked up to you people and now you're all just, it's sad. It's you know, it's because growing up, I never really knew, had an idea of like adults in my life that were over the age of like 30. So I'm getting to this weird point where I'm like, I don't have a point of reference for where I'm going in life, just age wise. It's confusing to say the least. Um, sometimes I feel really old. Sometimes I feel really young, but it's always like the idea of what I have for what's after that is not always the best. Because it seems like the part of my family that I know is just prone to fucking up. Or, I don't know, you know, get raised in a box. When you grow up, you'll put yourself in that same goddamn box, right? It's what you know. It's how you learn to live. And you can't really help anyone. Because it's almost like there's... There's a risk of creating some kind of codependent relationship or some opportunity to be manipulated out of your good grace or whatever the fuck it may be. It's like people just have to, they have to want to change or be better or do better. And that's hard when they can't even come to terms with reality, you know? Like, it's hard to talk to someone about your past with them when they can't even get over their own past. It's like, how is, like, anything you want to talk about, it just doesn't matter because they could just bring up something much worse. Which doesn't make sense because it's like, I'm your kid. This doesn't, it's... It fucks with my understanding of the fabric of life and family and relationships. Like, it's had a pretty hard grasp. Not so good grasp, a hard grip, whatever. You know, I didn't have a good idea of it before. And it's like in trying to be a family with my family, it's like it makes it even harder or worse. Because it makes me feel fucking stupid for even, like, for even trying, you know? It's like, I was never your kid, I guess. So I can never be your kid. So fixing our past doesn't matter because you'll just blame it on everyone else in the entire world. That's a part of the systemic conditioning also where you just, you don't know how to take the blame. You don't know how to understand. It's hard because you just want everyone to be happy or at least, you know, have a stable life. 
of a stable home, a nice place to live, you know, somewhere to call your own. But, you know, the, the foundation just is what it is, right? And at a certain point, you just tell yourself you're not going to go back and tear down this shitty shack you've built to fix the foundation to build something much better. You'll just make do. Finding ways to cope and exist upon the bottom that is made of rock. And it doesn't matter if you're walking on what feels like glass under your feet, because those are just the hearts of the ones you love. So what's it matter? (laughs) I went through a hellstorm of emotions over this past week, crying a lot for my family and our past. And when you lack so much in your childhood, you spend a lot of your adulthood mourning those things. It can come in waves, it can come in spontaneous moments, it can come from the whiff of smell walking down the street coming out of someone's drier exhaust. But you know, you're just reminded. And you mourn because you can never go back and change it. And life is this weird, like rotating melody, just wind up tune that just has a way of keeping the same beats but changing its tones ever so slightly. It's sometimes as if it's just a cosmic joke, like some grandiose, silly affair we all take part in. (laughs) Maybe it's something that's just happening upon us, like the wind. It's wonderful, it's awful, it's glorious, beautiful, and hideously insane, but it's all we got, right? But you help. You do what you can to help. You make a conscious choice on what you can do here and what you can't. Who you can be there for and who you can't. And it's like ultimately I'm there for my nephew. I've done what I can so I don't have to watch another one of my my brethren just go through this life, you know? Because there's something, (laughs) something just so ultimately tragic of just living through something and then watching everything you love have to go through that same thing. I'm not sure why my grandmother or my mother cannot seem to understand such things. Some kind of animalistic nature within themselves to just pass on the pain. And I could say they've tried to do it to me too. And it sucks, man. But it's something they love to do. So here we are. And now I know from learning. It's like, am I just meant to be the observer amongst all this bullshit and chaos? Do they really not see? It's confusing and it makes me feel so lost and sorry because I don't know how someone can be so blind because I feel like when you're like that, you don't even see that you're like that. And it sucks. It fucking sucks, dude. It's like all of them there, you know? And I feel for her, I do. But at a certain point, I have to, you, you can't because it's like, that's what they want. Like quit feeling fucking sorry for yourself. It's a horrible environment, but it's like, just as you are a product of it, sometimes in some circumstance, it is in turn also a product of you. I don't know. There's being powerless, you know? Then there's not utilizing the power that you do have, which is it's even worse. And maybe that's just as I was saying before about that box metaphor where you get put into a box for so long that you put yourself in that box at a certain point, and maybe that's where it's at. But I don't know, man. At a certain point, you just, you just gotta try and make things better. Like, I know I suck at it. I'm not that great. Like, it's a fucking struggle every day. Life is motherfucking hard, you dumb bitch. So I don't... There's, like, so many tacky metaphors we could go on right now, you know? It's fucking... It's a marathon, not a sprint. The the secret, ultimate life in Star Wars, is that you have to not be afraid. Fear is the enemy. Fear is the dark side. If you're afraid, you're going to the dark side. The the light side is compassion. As long as you love other people and treat them kindly, you won't be afraid. So the secret is to just love everybody. I know this sounds very 60s, but that's what I grew up in. Um, but it, it, it's fear that it causes and, and you have to be stop being afraid and be kind to people. That is, and all the people that she quoted um, and the main theme of Star Wars is that compassion is the good side, fear is the bad side. Well, it came from my experience in college and I became very, very fascinated in anthropology. And I became very interested in how societies 
govern themselves, grow, become something. Uh, you can't really uh, have a society unless you have a common belief system. And then there are people who are very greedy, or afraid. The thing about people who are greedy uh, is that they fear. Their, their whole soul is drenched in fear. And they're, first of all, they're afraid they're not going to get, afraid they're not going to get all the things they want, power, wealth, fame, and do anything to get it. Then when they get it, they're afraid they're going to lose it. So they live in fear their whole life. So remember that about people who are uh, not nice. They live in fear. Fear is not a happy thing to live with. Uh, you're always afraid that somebody's going to take your stuff away from you. And it's the same thing uh, with, your, uh, with your life. Uh, and it's the same thing with the people you love. You have to understand that the, the, the reality of nature and God in life is that things come and things go. They do not stay in your life. And you have to learn to accept the fact that it is a continuum that you're just a part of. And the things will be there and then they won't be there. So enjoy them and love them while they're there. And then be happy that they've gone someplace else. But you have to decide that you can't hold on to people because the, the pain of losing somebody uh, or losing something is your pain. It's not the pain of, you know, um, that person. Uh, it's your, your pain of losing that person being with you. And you have to be able to overcome that. Otherwise, you're just suffer your whole life. Well, you got to remember, I'm from California. <laughs> I'm, I'm from San Francisco. <laughs> you know, the Zen Buddhism capital of the United okay. States. But at the same time, uh, in my study of anthropology, in my, which is basically the study of different religions and different uh, uh, ways of thinking of things, um, you know, my kids ask me, what are we? What, what am I? I say, well, we're Methodist Buddhists. <laughs> uh, which, uh, and you discover in anthropology that, you know, um, there's, well, I, one way which I said, so when I was about, I don't know, seven years old, the age of my daughter, uh, I asked my mother, what, if there's so many different religions, why is there only one God? And she couldn't answer that. But if there's only one God, you realize that the religions are a manifestation of man or woman, but it's man, but the God is still there. It's just we don't know what it is or what it looks like or what it is. But the one thing that has constantly done in all religions is God is love. The world has changed so much since the first Star Wars movie. How do you think the changes in the fights for racial justice will impact the Star Wars universe going forward? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I've, I've kind of lost control of Star Wars, so it's going off in a different path than what I intended. But the first six are very much mine and my philosophy. And I think that philosophy uh, sort of goes beyond um, any particular time because it's based on history, it's based on philosophy, it's based, it's based on a lot of things. And... Uh, you know, the, the, the first three basically tell you how a, a democracy turns into a dictatorship and you end up with a tyrant, the emperor. Uh, it's very important now uh, where we are now in our political history. Uh, the other part was that in there, it's like um, I purposely, all of the various colors and shapes of the aliens and everything live in that world. Um, it's a normal situation. There's no real discrimination. The only discrimination is against robots. And we haven't really... Uh, reached that period yet. And uh, I'm sure the robots will be able to overcome it uh, because they don't have the same feelings. Uh, so um, but it really shows you in terms of the way the politics are and the way things are, uh, you know, how to fight those ideas. And a lot of it really has to do with, uh, with uh, overcoming fear. You know, the thing that brought that into also the, the movies, you know, the, the uh, thing with Anakin is that he, he uh, started out a great kid. He was very compassionate. Uh, and um, so the issue was, is how did he turn bad? How did he go to the dark? And he went to the dark side by, uh, Jedi's are not supposed to have attachments. They can, have, they can love people, they can do it, but they can't attach. That's the problem when you get in the, uh, in the world of fear. Once you're attached to something, you become afraid of losing it. And when you became afraid of losing it, then you turn to the dark side and you want to hold on to it. And that's what uh, Anakin's issue was, ultimately, is he wanted to hold on to his wife, who he knew he had a premonition that she was going to die. He didn't know how to stop it. So he went to the dark side to find, in, in mythology and everything, they go to Hades and you talk to the devil and the devil says, this is what you do. And basically you sell your soul to the devil. When you do that, then you're afraid and you're on the dark side and you fall off the, the, the golden path of compassion because you are greedy. You want to hold on to something that you love and he didn't do it. And as a result, he turned back. We got metaphors. We're trying to get them metaphors, bitch. It was just hard because, you know, it's like this whole thing is, it just kind of outlines this work, you know, I'm trying to do or create or manifest within the fucking world i don't know but this project this catalyst project which after reading a pretty interesting year article a very interesting article on the idea of co-production rather than co-design it's um been percolating a bit more you know and it's been motivated inspired by just the real world experience and reality of dealing with outcomes of these systemic lives you know 
just seeing the deterioration of a generate over the deterioration of a family over generations through just a slow chaotic dismantling propped on by the what's the word i'm looking for what's the word i'm looking for the intervention of the child welfare system a chaotic dismantling prompted by the intervention of the child welfare system which created this antagonistic relationship between the two and they never seemed to work together because you see in trying to help my grandmother and my mother that created what would then the seed you gotta think about this like a movie or a comic book or like you know this is like how villains are born baby it's like them interfering back then created or planted the seed for what would grow into the bush of hatred that would sprout for by the time when they intervened into her life later on with us. It's like the origin of it all. And here we are. Because now it's the new generation born unto that. Bitch, it's fucking... We're Luke and Vader, bro. Like, fuck, what am I even saying? Like, it all comes back to Star Wars, baby. Always. If you've just some gully-footed motherfucker out there just scoffing right now, go fuck yourself. And I feel sorry for you. What'd you learn about life? The fucking Bible? Fuck out of here. Fuck out of here with that Jesus shit. Shit. You don't play that shit around here. <sighs> Only crosses I see? <sighs> shit, bitch. What you mean? Well, hopefully you got that George Lucas drop in there. Bada bing bada boom bada bum papa dee do de do de do de 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 I'm losing my mind maybe but it's like in witnessing these how these systems can fail and how the effects can pile on to the bloodlines over generations and how it's like water going into the cracks and then freezing and expanding the cracks more and more each time until there's just splinters that are left of what whatever the fuck was fill in the fucking blank fill in the fucking blank so it's i uh, so it's like i see and feel this the need for this kind of work where youth are just empowered to actually help create it so we're taking it's also like about people gotta be able to be open to that that that, that level of accountability you know, it's um, it's just like you have to be able to be someone. Ha- someone who's going through it has to be able to point out the things that were they felt were wrong with it while they were going through it. And the people who put them through it have to be able to stand there and listen. And then maybe they can come together in some table somewhere and figure out how you stop that from happening. And then we continue that because do you, do 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 you not see? Do 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 you not see? Life is a software update, a software update. And every fucking generation or every fucking year, every fucking new cycle is supposed to just perfect on the lap. And it's like somewhere we've just maybe lost that a little bit. Maybe it's become some kind of commodity. Or maybe we've just gotten so high on our own shit, we don't want to be told what we do wrong anymore, no matter who it affects. And maybe that's just being human, baby. Until we just succeed on our mission of creating the perfect human, which will ultimately be a robot. And then I think we will be endorsed by a world of such comforts and perfected leadership that we will just allow ourselves to be enslaved by said robots. We kind of like to be told what to do, even if we resist it first. And this has been my TED Talk. Thank you for stopping by. (laughs) (laughs) everything is star wars baby but it'll probably all end in terminator Uh, that's a throwback eh any of you day one day one cacolites i like that cacolites i really like that (laughs) 
called the day one calculates i remember that reference from way back the terminator 2 is just literally a foster child fantasy porn where it's just a kid in a foster home who sends himself a robot from the future who breaks him out of his foster home and goes to save his mom from the insane asylum she's been locked in I just have been live, baby. We're doing it live. Woo! Get the fuck out of here with that shit. <sighs> so, back to the work shit. It's like, you know, I feel the importance of it. I love the importance of it. It's in my DNA. It's in my fucking DNA. You fucking animal. It's in my fucking DNA. You gonna fucking come in here and tell me? We're a bit off the rails today, I'll be honest. I spent so much time on the rails this week. <laughs> Riding trains. <laughs> Conductor humor. Now we're a bit off the rails. No, but, you know, I just know the importance of this work right now. And I've through some research and shit like that and just kind of percolating on it. It's like, I'm kind of starting to see it, what it could be, how we start to build this thing and maybe how we start framing it in a way where we can apply for some funding and shit. Cause ultimately I need to fucking grow this shit. Cause I can't do this by myself, you know? And it's like, for what we're trying to build, it can't just be one person. It can't just be me. Like we need other youths who are interested in this kind of work who are actually gonna, you know, speak up and actually want to do some the work and research and brainstorm and talk about these things and create our story and our voice and content that's going to uphold that story and voice so then we we do this research to create this this project idea of this housing this supportive transitional housing right so i'm talking research on how we connect you know circular economy circular economic practices across like these three typologies in a way that's an evolving on an evolving continuum while also researching how to implement the social service programs to of just inclusion and participatory models and fucking all those fancy terms and words and bullshit and it's like figuring out how we do all this but also you utilizing the experiential wisdom supported by resources from you know the supported by the resources of the you know the the professional the scholar the professional builders manufacturers construction people the social service professionals you know just kind of co-opting the work together in a way where the needs are being prompted no 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 the world has changed so much since the first star wars movie how do you think the changes in the fights for racial justice will impact the star wars universe going forward uh, I don't know. I mean, I've, I've kind of lost control of Star Wars, so it's going off in a different path than what I intended. But the first six are very much mine and my philosophy. And I think that philosophy uh, sort of goes beyond um, any particular time because it's based on history, it's based on philosophy, it's based, it's based on a lot of things. And, uh, you know, the, the, the first three basically tell you how a, a democracy turns into a dictatorship and you end up with a tyrant, the emperor. Uh, it's a very important now uh, where we are now in our political history. Um, the other part was that in there, it's like, um, I purposely, all of the various colors and shapes of the aliens, everything that live in that world, um, it's a normal situation. There's no real discrimination. The only discrimination is against robots. And we haven't really uh, reached that period yet. And uh, I'm sure the robots will be able to overcome it uh, because they don't have the same feelings. Uh, so, um, but it really shows you in terms of the way the politics are and the way things are, uh, you know, how to fight those ideas and a lot of it really has to do with um, with uh, overcoming fear. You know, the thing that brought and also the, the movies. You know, the the uh, thing with Anakin is that he he um, started out a great kid. He was very compassionate, uh, and um, so the issue was is how did he turn bad? How did he go to the dark side? And he went to the dark side by uh, the, the Jedi's are not supposed to have attachments. They can they can love people. They can do, but they can't attach. That's the problem when you get in the uh, in the world of fear. Once you're attached to something, then you become afraid of losing it. And when you became afraid of losing it, then you turn to the dark side and you want to hold on to it. And that's what uh, Anakin's issue was, ultimately, is he wanted to hold on to his wife, who he knew he had a premonition that she was going to die. He didn't know how to stop it. So he went to the dark side to find, in, in mythology and everything, they go to Hades and you talk to the devil and the devil says, this is what you do. And basically you sell your soul to the devil. When you do that, then you're afraid and you're on the dark side and you fall off the, 
the, the golden path of compassion because you are greedy. You want to hold on to something that you love and he didn't do it. And as a result, he turned back. So the thing about that is what you're saying with the, the movies, there's the time. It's not all the time, but yeah. the lessons are timeless, right? Yeah, they're timeless. They, they've been around for thousands of years. Uh, they're based on uh, ancient mythology. Mythology was designed ultimately to give a society the tools they need to be a society, which means they have to have a common belief system. They have to believe in the same gods. They have to believe who their leaders are. They have to believe uh, what their history is. They have to believe who their heroes are. Those are the things that combine to make a society. If you don't have those things, then you don't have a society. The interesting thing that we're going through now is the United States was a conglomerate of a lot of different ideas and things. And it was the first beginning of globalization where we began to respect other people differently, who think differently, who have different gods. But at the end, you have to have that cohesion. And we're beginning to get it for the whole world. We now split apart, but I think we'll get there someday. But that is the most important thing, is that you respect other people, you respect what they're doing, and you realize that we're part of a symbiotic relationship, meaning that we all help each other. It's, that's the ecology of what we're in. If you take some of the gears out of the watch, it won't work anymore. And taking some of the gears out of the world means it won't work anymore. We know that from, from uh, you know, extinction of animals. We know it from uh, you know, global warming. We know that we have to all be one in order to go forward. A lot of people don't like that idea. They hate it and they're fighting against it, but we have to do that in order to survive in this, on this planet, and there's only two two ways to survive in the world. One is to adapt, which is to, if you're a fish, you relate and you get on land, or you migrate. And migrating for us, I mean, adapting is, you know, we've got a lot of adapting to do, but we are trying to do it. But the other one is to migrate. And if you're living in a pond and the pond is drying up and you're gonna uh, die with it, you have to learn to migrate to another pond. What we're trying to do now is to migrate to another planet. And you say, well, what's that gonna do? Because the sun's gonna go away pretty soon, well, a couple million years. and now we only have a couple million years to figure out how to get from our planets, which we will soon be on Mars and some of the other planets, to another galaxy. I mean, not another galaxy, I'm sorry, to another solar system. But it's not dying. And that's a hard thing to do. Right now, it's completely impossible because you have to go faster than the speed of light. But unless we figure out how to do that, we're not going to survive because eventually this sun is going to go out, our planet's going to die, and everything with it. So you have to think long term. So it's like far, far away in a galaxy, in a galaxy far, far away, a long, long time ago. This is the long, long time ago, and we have to go and catch up so that we can, so the humans especially, can uh, uh, survive. Uh, the planet will survive. I mean, eventually it'll blow up into just a bunch of rocks, but at the same time, it will not um, survive. And you have to understand that, and that's part of letting go. But at the same time, we don't have to. People say, "Well, let's uh, that's millions of years away." Like the grasshopper on the end, when the grasshopper is collecting. I mean, the ants are collecting food for the winter, and the grasshopper doesn't do it. And therefore, when the snow comes, the grasshopper has to come and ask for help because he was making fun of them. But it's that you have to prepare for the future. And that's basically what humankind can do as opposed to a lot of other uh, life forms. Really a lot of life forms that can go through, um, you know, fly through space and survive on all kinds of strange worlds are microorganisms. They're everywhere and there are trillions of them. They outnumber uh, humans and even in, in your body, there's more microorganisms than there are human cells. So you gotta say, and that's where the idea of the secret, that's where the idea of the wheels come from. The wheels are microorganisms. And they help create the energy, which is what uh, mitochondria do, which are in your cells. That's the energy that makes your cells divide, which makes life. And they feed on life. That's what the force is. The force is life. Yes, the needs are being prompted by the ones who have direct experience with how their needs weren't met or what was lacking or, you know, what needs to be different. So it's like while we do all this work where we're basically building all the work I've been doing, but it's like I can't do this by myself, man. It's um, it's a lot. It's hard because it's just like it's a constant um, like a reminder or um, dissection of your own life in a way where it's it's hard to experience um, something bad and then try and justify how it can be changed for the or, or like how someone it's hard to explain when someone hasn't gone through it, you know, where it's like it's because then you just sound like a, an over, a dramatic pity case or something. So it's it's about like not screaming about what happened to us and th throwing a fit. It's about somehow manifesting it into like artwork and reports and research and designs and stuff like that where we actually create content and works and stuff we can put our names on and be proud of that are actual resources and guides to the future if anything you know if not actual buildings and stuff like that then actual like stuff that can then be built on by the next generations and the software updates continue that's what it's all about
Because I want to do like, you know, I'm talking like a web doc series, you know, just interviewing with youth with lived experience, kind of what I hoped this podcast was going to be. But then it kind of just became me talking to myself all the time. So that's cool. But in a more legitimate sense, it would have been some kind of, you know, sit down conversational show not just being all the voices in my head but all the voices outside it too um and that would just better frame our voice and you know kind of document the journey as we're going because let's say this the first three phases are like a year or so you know and it's like we do this stuff and as we go we keep making these doc series maybe we do an art show at a certain point you know to better define what the youth idea of housing as a human right and the idea of home is and just put us out there on the map to kind of be like hey we're doing this thing and this is what we're doing this is why we're doing it and this is how we're hoping to do it and maybe start some kind of conversation so we try and do these these kind of external pieces these um these ro- these like rose petals while we're also grinding away at the thorns in the bottom while we're working on the research the reports and then as we move from co-planning to co-design then we start actually designing spaces and we start elevating the work into a different phase where we're now building upon the last phase where maybe we're actually designing the buildings how things look what kind of doing a lot of kind of circular economic research where we're trying to understand how we can utilize people as well as supplies in a way that is not going to leave them depleted and used up at the end of their time with the project. So it's about, you know, creating this ever-encompassing upcyclability within the project from materials we build with to the people we build for. So, you know, it's a lot. <laughs> uh, and you know I'd like to 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 accumulate to you know or culminate in like some kind of final book or something like that where we take everything we've done and we make this this beautifully like mushed together fusion of just creative artistic expression and like stale report writing and like design drawings and we just smash everything together into this this beautiful menagerie of just everything you know and it's we create this handbook or this you know this this work bible for how we believe this work should be carried out if it's ever carried out within the realm of our reality in Canada and Ontario and shit like that so it's you know it's there it's growing it's in my mind it's just getting the money for it and being able to be paid to do it and pay other people to help do it so you know like most things in life it all comes down to money baby just crazy because i've been like side note let's digress a bit here this nft shit this non-fungible token shit that shit is fucking crazy right like i've been following that beeple guy on facebook for a long time just because i love his art and the, the guy sold the, an NFT digital art piece for $69 million. So, or for crypto that is worth $69 million. So good for him. That shit's fucking crazy. And the art piece was a picture of 5,000 art pieces. So it wasn't even like an image. It was an image of a bunch of images, which is crazy because it was also probably just a JPEG. So here we are. We're in the future now. They're selling virtual art, virtual fashion. They're literally virtual fashion lines. I don't know, man. You can buy one fucking shoe. I don't know what you do with it. But this has all got me thinking because I'm working at this architecture firm, right? So it's like, where's the NFT architecture? What are we talking about here? Because for me, an NFT is literally just the 3D model that they build in pre-production for something when they're just trying to figure out its design. So it's the most genius troll of the art world ever to just be like, let's take a prototype 3D model design spruce it up a bit and then sell it for millions fucking wild dude put a geotag or whatever the fuck on it so then you can place it around the world and fucking what it's bonkers but it has me thinking while i'm working at this architecture firm it's like what if what if this like what about nft architecture like at what point are people going to start buying skins for the front of their buildings or even just like having a building designed and then just buying the 3d model and having it ar onto like the corner of your desk you know so you have a virtual statuette of some building you designed or whatever or something that meant something to you you know there's there's these weird like and i was thinking about it in terms of like our project where we have these three housing typologies existing on a continuum where i'm like man how sick would it would be if we could make some kind of ar augmented reality 
like statuettes that you place on a surface and it's like it builds up our one typology and as that breaks down it creates the other ones that then build that one back up and then by the end you have all three typologies that are kind of existing on this surface so it's somehow i'm going to try and figure out how to bring this up in a work meeting be like what y'all thinking about these nfts i don't know i'm still very uncomfortable it's you know you start a job virtually it's fucking hard to connect or relate to anything or anyone so it's i don't know it's hard to not feel like you know just who the fuck is this guy what's you know something i gotta work out personally probably but it's just a thought you know check it out these nfts are fucking it's wild man i don't know like it just seems like rich people handing money around or something but it's also like i don't know man none of it's real it's all made up shit so it's the world's going crazy it's like in the matrix they were already in the matrix but i feel like here we're trying to make the matrix <laughs> and yeah that's where we're at being on a lighter note you know i got to see my nephew and that was cool things have been pretty crazy for him and you know i'm just doing what i can to make sure i'm there for him and make sure he has you know some kind of positive male influencer role model you know amongst all of the you know the women fighting over him and system intervention and shit it's fucking it's no fun but i love the dude and i hope you guys you know enjoyed the uh two-year anniversary episode this is our quartet episode the old quarter quarter mile made it baby 25 too far too far too far but this was a weird episode probably fucking friday gotta watch the Zack snyder cut today watched falcon and winter soldier this morning you know how we do a pop culture been loving preacher lately though you know preacher's been pretty fucking dope no man's sky yo i've been fucking trying to do my youtube shit so make sure you get on my youtube nicholas ridiculous not ridiculous nicholas because that's just some kid who has literally over a million followers who just does toy shit for kid like it's wild and horrible a horrible convenience because it's like i'll never be that that good i'll never be ridiculous nicholas <laughs> just just nicholas ridiculous that's all i love <laughs> but fucking subscribe motherfuckers you know i'm just trying to get more proactive again after the lockdown malaise so it's got some we got lower horse popping i got an episode i got to drop actually today i don't know when this podcast episode is coming out but the lower horse will already be out and then yeah i've been um starting to upload video game gaming videos and shit on there too so it's the nick Dick channel Nicholas Ridiculous. I wish I could change the name. For some reason, YouTube won't let me. So that's always cool. I just don't know how to figure it out. I don't know. But it's like they just use my, my Google account name, which is like, all right, whatever. But if I could change it, it would be Nick Ridic TV. But it's it's not. So it's Nicholas Ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. And we do music videos. Got my fashion commercials. Fucking podcast, lower horrors. You know, that pop culture commentary. And DBC Gaming which is No Man's Sky and GTA right now, and, you know, we'll be expanding whenever. It's just editing videos is a lot of work, and I'm learning. It's a lot for my computer to handle. So, what I have to do is, at a certain point, get a new computer, and hopefully things will be able to run smoother, because because editing audio is a much easier experience for a CPU to so you know it's a it's a much different game a lot a lot more memory chewed up a lot more bullshit yeah i'm sort of just uh being a hobby architect building buildings and at the same time uh working on a museum which is a museum of narrative art which is a uh, saying that ultimately art in the beginning and still uh, is tells a narrative of society. That's how people come together and have a common belief system because in the beginning and even a lot of places now, people don't know how to read or write. And so you can give speeches, but it doesn't resonate that much. But in, especially in the, in, um, in uh, ancient times, if you go into a city, they had statues of their heroes, they have mosaics of their religion, they had, um, you know, statues of 
the, the leader who's ever running the country. Those are all things that um, uh, told people in a very emotional way, it's done emotionally, not intellectually, that this is who we are. And um, it's kind of a controversial idea, but I got it through anthropology and I believe in it. And so I'm building a museum that really uh, is based on the aspirations of a society. And everybody says, well, you know, you got comics in there, comic art. I said, that's what people believe in in the United States. And, and uh, uh, illustration, Norman Rockwell, uh, Frida Kahlo, these are things that people believe in, uh, that that's what they, that, that's what their aspirations are. And uh, so it sort of tells you a lot about a society. And so the museum I'm building is sort of a, a way of connecting with what the society believes in. It's especially, I think, relevant today when we're breaking, we're fractururing all that up. You know, in the end, it's, you know, I believe it's all got to come together and be homogenized um, because we're the human race. We're not a bunch of separate races. We're one race. And the sooner we understand that and begin to accept the the sort of eccentric, eccentricity, eccentricities, eccentricity of other um, races and other societies, the more we'll grow and become smarter people, but also the, the conflict that we have will go away. Uh, I'd like to just say one thing that um, is important for 12 year olds, which was, uh, Things um, that I was taught, my I had a mentor who was a, a, a very wise man, and he said, go through life and follow your bliss, which means follow what you enjoy. And that's what I did. My father wanted me to go work in a store that he owned uh, and become a merchant. I did not want to do that. And it was a big deal between us when I said, I'm going to go do something else. And um, I found by exploring through college and other things, what I love to do, which is to, uh, ultimately I wanted to be an illustrator, then I wanted to be an anthropologist, and then I went to film school on accident and basically found my bliss. I found the thing that I loved more than anything. It's much more important than going out and trying to get a job and make, we're the opposite. She likes to make money. That's her bliss. That's what I like to make things and movies and, and things like that. When I started, nobody who was trying to go was in film school would get into the film business. It just was impossible. It was closed out to everybody. And fortunately, uh, I came in in the 60s when the people who started the studios were all 80, 90 years old and they were selling the studios. So I got a break, but I was doing what I loved, and my friends who were also of that period were also doing what they loved, which is to make, make movies. None of us expected to make any money at it. We were lucky if we could get, even get a job. And we, were, we became very successful because we loved what we do. We loved it, and it makes life so much easier. And no it matter shows. what it is, if you're like to do pottery or like to to uh, write things or you'd like to do whatever you want to do, if you enjoy it, you're, you're halfway home. You don't have, you will make money because you enjoy it. And that means you're good at it. And that means you'll make money. Yeah, you might not live in a giant place. Look, I've got a house, it's a giant house. It's too big. I never <laughs> wanted a big giant house, but I got one now because I, got the, I can afford it. But it's no different than a regular house. So, if you do what you love, you will be able to make a living, you'll be able to eat, you'll be able to have a car, and you'll be able to live nicely. And you'll be happy, 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 happy. Oh, what's up, y'all? And this is a little later record to drop a little bit of extra context into the episode. So as you know, sometimes it takes me a while to get this editing done. And this is one of those times. 
So a lot has transpired since my last recording, you know. We're into April now. Easter is come and gone. Canada has fallen back into another stay-at-home order. It's, you know, the law now. Um, stores are open, but they're not open. So it's, you can go buy food, but you can't go buy a belt. Or, you know, can't go buy a soccer ball, but you can go buy drugs and alcohol. It's a funny, funny little thing we got going for us right now. And, you know, I'm just plugging away here. I actually just just recently discovered I can um I can rain I can do print on demand items through my underbelly society shop. So that has basically expanded the kind of products we can offer, which is pretty freaking dope. So instead of like, you know, having to work towards putting in a giant order of like screen printed t shirts, for example, I can just make it and post it and sell it, man. That's pretty fucking dope. So you know, go check out the shop. Let me know what you think. Those new tees and hoodies and jewelry and all that fun, cool shit. You know. Because let me be honest, it's April. April in my life is, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's some kind of mental deficiency or what the fuck. But April is always the hardest fucking month. And maybe it's like the end of my, my personal year of life. So it's like my mind and body are just kind of worn out. Or it's just like I have to earn the ability to make myself feel good on a day that should be mine. I, it's a lot of self-worth issues, let's just be honest. And I always just end up in like this this April Fool malaise where I'm just like, you know, this impending day is coming where you have to celebrate yourself so acutely and exactly. But also I'm like, I'm just trying to pay my fucking rent, dude. Like, my life likes to snowball sometimes. So... <laughs> When one issue arises, every other issue needs to fucking arise, you know? It's like the lockdown happens, and it's like a minor thing, but like my fucking vape broke, bro. That's like... It's like, fuck yourself, dude. Like, what? And you know, you're just waiting on everything. Just a victim to time. Just letting it run. Letting it fucking run. But we got National Foster Kid Month coming up next month, so... I'm going to try and, I'm talking to Vibe, I'm going to see if we can do anything special for that, which would be kind of cool, even if it's just like a virtual showcase of some kind, just some way to start, you know, bringing the community together and uh, start just to create some kind of alliance between other, other people who are just coming from this experience, you know, gotta find our tribe, it's like we all ain't that special that we can't fucking communicate, help each other, how's the thing, when you go through this thing, you just feel so special in all the worst ways, <laughs> you know? And it's just, it's just weird. It's like when, like, comic books would do giant crossovers, and you know, at the end of the comic book, it's going to be a fucking draw because neither creative team could bend the knee to the other. Fanfare bullshit. But what can you do, you know? I'm just staying busy. I'm trying to get this poetry book done. I want to release it for my birthday, you know? My birthday is Earth Day, April 2-2. Ballerina in the springtime. You know what I'm saying? And... I owe it to myself to just accumulate all this writing and work I've done over the years. And I'm hoping this will lead into, you know, doing another one. Because if this one's like poetry and photography type stuff, it's just a good kind of stepping stone into maybe doing a one next time that's comprised of all short stories or something like that. Just to get all these nonfiction worlds out of my fucking head, man. My fucking head. But also been talking to vibe about trying to do um a video like video lessons or uh workshop creative workshops on youtube which would be an amazing experience because i've always wanted to do uh you know tvo kids treehouse 90s kids arts and crafts show inspired series for the youtubes i just have never gotten around to it and, you know with these things too it's like it's it's so easy to just think about doing something and never actually do it or you, you put these posts or hurdles in front of yourself to just block you from actually doing it. Like, I've always just told my, like, it would be easier with a team and all that. But at a certain point, you just got to move forward without that and hope maybe some of them down the line, they come around. Because it's like, especially with video content, it's really hard to fucking just fucking do the whole symphony yourself, you know? And like, ideally, if I was to do an arts and craft show, I would want some kind of puppet character in there at some point. So... 
man, I can't do all that shit. I can't puppeteer and talk to myself while I'm the puppet and the dude talking to the puppet. You know, it, does, it doesn't make sense. I mean, we could do video magic, but fuck. I guess you just do the damn thing, right? <laughs> but for real, you know? Um, check out Dimebag Crew albums. I'm probably going to do my outro again here. So this might be a double, but I do have a bunch of sick Dimebag Crew merch up in the Underbelly shop. So make sure you hit it up couple new hoodies and shit you know i'm gonna be uploading a bunch of really nice like slick kind of not generic but you know consistently made items so if you've been feeding yourself a new t-shirt or something it's slide through pull up like pampas baby let's get it i even did this uh like this bar this uh this coated bar necklace and it just says fuck it on it so it's like you know why say it when you can wear it fuck it <laughs> and yo as a final final note let me just say this okay i got denied the children's aid um supplying rides for my nephew to come spend time with me and that's like you know whether that's volunteer drivers because they have a fleet of them because why would they do any of the driving themselves or in the form of gas cards to then force whoever has the child to do the driving themselves and they rejected it and i was so pissed just so mad because even still these social workers and whatnot and these people who work for these agencies they continue to just tell you what you want to hear to your face and then they will just never return your call or answer it or respond to you or acknowledge your existence or anything like that and it's it's fun (laughs) you know it's so fun to just to just try and reach out for these people and not hear from them ever you know it um it makes you wonder what the fuck but also like what the fuck it's just at this point you know it's it's funny and you know it's it's just like i i don't understand how the system is just made to just infuriate people you know it's like it's like that's the test or something it's like we're gonna treat you like shit over and over even when we say we're not going to and there's nothing you can do to stop it or change it and we have complete power over this entire situation so whatever we want to do in the end is what's going to happen and whatever you fucking do doesn't even fucking matter because i'm just going to tell you what you want to hear because you're so unstable that you couldn't handle the truth so i'm just going to tell you what you want to hear lie to you and then never answer your fucking call you dumb piece of trash let me let this motherfucker carry on hey i'm bored get it back to it y'all but let's um let's um let's um let's um thank you once again for stopping by for another episode of the Hurt Circus. I've been your host, Nicholas Ridiculous, aka Nick Ridic, aka the Purple Hyena. You can you can follow me at Nicholas Ridiculous on Instagram www.nicholasridiculous.ca www.underbellysociety.com at Underbelly Society www.dimebagcrew.ca at dimebagcrew that's me fashion music you know what it is we just staying weird you know trying to stay fed trying to keep the rent paid you know what I said shit and you know what we always love to say here watch Yo, motherfucking step out there. Cause life's a goddamn trip. Peace. Shit.